welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Today, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse number 1. Uh, and this is what God's Word says. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So when he came at once, uh, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And, I have, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, church, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, as, as we come before you now humbly, we just pause. Uh, God, I know we all come in with, with so many different things going on in our life. And uh, Lord, I just pray right now that uh, you would just open our eyes, open our hearts to hear what you would have for us. Uh, Lord, I humbly pray. Holy Spirit, would you help me as I deliver uh, the word and preach it? God, I pray that I would preach it as you would want. And God, I pray for our hearts, Lord, that they would be open to receive. God, I'm thankful that you're a God who would send Jesus to us. And God, I think just a beautiful picture of, of what he came to do in this passage. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, meet with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to share with you my word for 2022, the thing I'm wanting to get better at. Uh, and that word is the word intentional, okay? The word intentional. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord today that is pretty mission-focused on where you need to be? Do we have anyone that's a bit of a taskless person that you got to finish the task for the day? Is that anybody here? And, you know, I think about me and, and why I want to be better at being intentional. A lot of times I'm focused on where I'm going much more than where I currently am. You guys are tracking with me. And, and I know if, if you, maybe if you can kind of relate with this, uh, sometimes the folks at the fast food drive through they get our worst. Amen. <laughs> You ever been there? Like you, you got to get the ball practice on time. Uh, you got to get to the next destination on time. And and uh, and man, when the, the the regular coke turns into a diet coke, man, you, they begin to see a little bit of ugly, right? You guys tracking with me? And uh, sometimes it's hard to be uh, intentional. And um, and so today I want to point out something really really cool in talking about the intentionality of Jesus. Look with me in verse one. It says that Jesus entered Jericho. And was passing through. And I want you guys to highlight that. He was passing through. Because see, where Jesus was going was on the way to Jerusalem. That was the destination. See, Jesus came to earth from heaven with a major task on the list. And see, that task was to go to the cross and to die in place for the world. Right? To go and hang up on the cross. That was going to happen in Jerusalem. This was the major Thing on his task list. But I want you to know something. As he's getting close to Jerusalem, getting close 
to his destination. As he was passing through Jericho, he was very, very intentional, right? He did not miss an opportunity. And so what I want to show you today in the kindness of a Savior is Jesus is not too busy for anyone. Jesus is not distracted that he would overlook anyone. In fact, we see Jesus giving us the whole set purpose he came to earth right here in this passage. This past year, we've been going through a series called A Greater Story. And basically what we're doing is looking at the Bible, picking out stories all along the way to show that the Bible is actually a collection of smaller stories that are painting a greater story. And I believe in verse 10, I want you guys to read it with me. My main point of the sermon today, what I believe is the major point of a greater story is this, verse 10. This is what God's word says. It says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. And so to understand this, uh, I want to... Uh, kind of walk you through the context of what's going on. So Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, but he enters Jericho. Now, if you remember uh, from a greater story in the Old Testament, Jericho were where the big strong walls were and they were torn down, right? Like you'll remember Jericho was the first city that God's people uh, uh, defeated and overtook in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. Well, now the current day in this context, uh, Jericho was extremely rich and extremely wealthy place. And I'm going to butcher this, but um, I, I guess it's called Balsam. World famous Balsam Groves were in this place. Uh, men called it the city of the, the palms. Uh, it was called a divine region of Palestine. It was super, super wealthy, super, super affluent. There was worldwide, worldwide trade and fame with these balsam trees. Okay, And so uh, this is a wealthy place, but then I've got to share really a character in the story today, Zacchaeus. Now who, when I talk to the story, remembers a little Sunday school action, Zacchaeus the wee little man? I got any takers in the house? Yeah, y'all said it to yourself a little bit, I gotcha. Uh, I asked Carly this week, I said, hey baby, I'm preaching on Zacchaeus, and she popped that thing out. Uh, so she, she is much better Sunday school attendance than I, but listen, in Zacchaeus, I want you to know kind of who this guy is. So he was a tax collector. And I know we all love IRS time when we get bills, amen, right? Uh, not much has changed in that we have difficulty with taxes sometimes. And so not only did people just kind of not like tax collectors, but the ones that were wealthy, they got wealthy from stealing and taking more taxes than were due. Okay, so I, I kind of want to paint the picture here. This would have been an outcast. Like, like people would not have liked Zacchaeus because he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the, the head honcho and the riches of rich in the richest place around. And so this guy would have been scum. He would have been talked about. He would have been extremely wealthy and greedy. And so we, we see that Zacchaeus, okay, is about to meet some serious life change. And in fact, today, I really think we can begin to see a great picture of what salvation actually looks like. I think we're gonna see a great picture in this. So that's kind of the, the, what I want to take you today is I want you to see that the Son of Man came in to seek and save the lost, and I really wanna show you a picture of what salvation looks like. So um, let's start with this. I believe it starts with Zacchaeus had to realize the barriers of sin. 
Hear that again. Zacchaeus had to realize the barriers of sin. And, and so as we see and look at Zacchaeus, um, I believe that Zacchaeus, just like in the Old Testament, Jericho, the story goes that, that these people built a mighty city, that walls were super tall, and, and Joshua, when he got over there, they, they didn't take the people of God seriously. They had a lot of trust in these walls that they had built themselves. And they said, we'll be safe and we can just stay and our pride and our, and our comfort is found in these walls we built. Well, we all know what happened. God sent his people marching seven times and then walls came down, amen? But listen, just like that, I believe Zacchaeus had built up a couple walls. Number one, I want you to take this with you. Um, he had built up the walls of idolatry. See, sometimes when we live in sin and what sin is, is missing the mark of God's, God's perfection, so it's more than just bad things we do, it's who we are. Well, well something that uh, I heard Tim Keller say one time, he said that our hearts are idol factories. That means that we are looking for things to put our identity, our trust, and our faith in all the time. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, our hearts are idol factories. I'll share a personal example. For me, um, I really had one goal when I got into my professional life. Um, I wanted to build a wrestling empire. I wanted to move up in uh, my job and, and basically I wanted to live life as comfortably as I wanted and I wanted to build this great, I just wanted to win tons of state titles and I wanted to have this perfect life for me. And man, from the outside, things were kind of looking like I was on a good trajectory to accomplish those things. And that I was living life how I wanted to live it, focused on the things that I thought I wanted most and I began to build walls. And they were pretty walls. And, and man, they, they, were, they were things that I thought would give me fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy if I could just win that next match or if I could just get a little more comfortable. But I want you to know something. That those walls that I thought would be blessings were actually becoming barriers to true joy. Right? And as I built up these walls, these barriers started becoming burdens. Because see, as the wall looked pretty from those on the outside looking in, this is a young guy who's got it all together. He's going to have a successful career. He's going to have a successful life. Inside those walls was a broken man living in sin in a marriage that was struggling. Man, but those walls looked really pretty. Those walls I built, but inside I was struggling. And no one knew it. Right? And so, uh, because I had put my identity and trust in hobbies and things that would give me no eternal value and no spiritual joy. And so, what we begin to see, and I want you guys to take this with you because maybe this relates a little bit of you begin to think about some walls you're building. Because here's the thing that we all come in here with all of us are building a life towards something. We're all building. So, I would encourage you to take a minute to think about building. Well, because God has given us many good things in our life. Some of my best ministry was in those times coaching wrestling teams. My, my oldest son is, is home, and man, we just had a great time talking about wrestling stories last night. And, and man, there were some great things going on, and I loved it, and there were some good aspects. But what I want you to know is this. Do not let good things in your life become God things. Don't let good things in your life become God things, and don't begin to build a wall that will not last. Right? Because I had done that. Okay? And so Zacchaeus obviously was building some walls 
that could not stand. He was in the great wealth. And most likely, he wanted wealth and his idol was money, so much so that he would continue to steal from people to get it. This was the idol in his life. Now, the second wall that I believe we build in our lives, and we see this in Zacchaeus' story, are the walls of shame. The walls of shame. You know, maybe you've encountered a situation, maybe you've made some mistakes in your life that have gone public, and maybe you feel like you have been broken, that you've made some mistakes, and you deal daily with the shame of those things, that, that you think that now this thing, this, this way, this mistake you've made is something you're going to have to carry with you for the rest of your life. You know, maybe you think that this is just now who I am. And maybe you feel like an outcast. Maybe crowds are difficult. Maybe going out, listen, I've been here in my life. Maybe even going out in public is difficult. You know, we don't live in a metropolis. Let's just not pretend, man, this is a small town. We know what small towns are like. And they can be very painful places. Can I get an amen? This would have been Zacchaeus. The liar the thief, the, 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 the man who was outcast, who would have been talked about, who probably didn't have one real intentional relationship in his life. Right? The, the guy who was hiding behind the walls of guilt and shame over the current situation. And I believe we respond to shame with one of two ways, okay? Uh, number one, we just continue to live in the sin that we think, well, everybody knows it, so now I just might as well keep on doing it. It's just who I am. And we tighten the grip. For him, most likely, he probably squeezed more taxes out of people. Well, it don't matter. This is just who I am. This is just what I've been consigned to for life. Or our tendency is, when we begin to hide under the walls of shame, uh, we just hide from the world. These walls that have been built up in our life for the mistakes we've made, the things we've done that we're not proud of, that we can't go back and fix, we just want to hide from the world and shrink back in fear and just say, I'm just going to ride this life out on my own. Zacchaeus would have understood both of these walls. He would have understood them both. He was the worst of the worst. He was jeered at. You even see the crowds when Jesus came to hang out with them. They couldn't believe it. They said, he's going to be a guest of a, a sinner. Like, what is Jesus doing? Surely he don't know what Zacchaeus has done. Surely, he, why would he go and love on that person? Because, see, Jesus came to give freedom to those that are stuck behind walls. Hear that again. Jesus came to meet people where they are. And so I believe sin does a few things. I believe sin is the barrier to a fulfilled life. I believe sin is the barrier to a fulfilled life. Listen to me. I want to tell you, because on the front end, I guarantee you, we've all done things. If we could wind back the clock, we would undo them. I know in my life, I'm going to stand right here in front of you. I, I, I often wish I could go back and fix some things in my life. But I wish somebody would have warned me on the front end. Take this with you. Sin always over promises, always under delivers. It always promises you something it'll never deliver. That money that first time he stole, it was going to build him a nice house that was going to satisfy him. But then when he sat down on the walls, he was not satisfied. It's the same way with sin. Sin always over promises, always under delivers. It's like being thirsty to death, dropping a, dropping a, uh, uh, like I said, dropping a bucket into a well that never brings water. And we keep going again and again, and we keep coming up with a parched mouth because sin cannot satisfy us. It keeps us from a fulfilled life. Sin condemns us 
to a shameful life. All right, listen, that is the, the, what, what Satan loves to do is he loves to accuse people and keep them buried in their shame. He loves it. He's good at it. Been doing it a long time. You know, what was the thing? Even going back to Adam and Eve in the garden, remember the start of a greater story. When they sinned, they sowed fig leaves and tried to hide. I'm sorry, they went in the bushes and tried to hide because that's what it does. It makes us want to run and hide in shame and stay there. So I want you to know something, but because God's, root, God's word, it, it has truth and it's uh, incredibly loving and edifying. Sometimes it's convicting. Conviction is a good thing. But listen, condemnation does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. You don't need to, be, you don't need to feel condemned for the things you've done that are wrong. Listen, that's not God's heart. We're going to learn today, he sent Jesus to meet you where you are in those things you're struggling with. Now listen, sin ultimately is the barrier to a relationship with God. Not the bad things we do, but the, the problem of sin. I've already, I, we need to define this really well. Sin is more than that bad thing you've done because here's the deal. I've sinned today, yesterday. And what you'll do if you define sin as just bad things you do, you're constantly gonna be wondering how bad is too bad to be loved by God? How good is good enough to be accepted by God? And you're gonna go crazy. You're gonna go absolutely nuts because you're like, you know what, Buck? I've never thought about that. Listen, sin is uh, something we inherit when we are born, and then as we grow, it begins to flesh itself out in our life. You ever, you ever notice like a two, three, four-year-old, you don't have to teach them how to absolutely smack their sibling. You, you ever notice that? Man, they come ready-made, brother. Listen, Adam and Eve passed it down, our grandparents. It's a problem. But see, this is the very reason Jesus came is he came to fix the problem. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and it separated them from God. God saw a group of people, us included, that were in their sin and said, I love them so much, I'm not gonna leave them with this problem of sin. I'm gonna come and save them from it. And this is a picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I wanna take this with you. Sin is the barrier that keeps us from heaven. It keeps us from a relationship with God. How cool is it that we don't have to wait to heaven to get a relationship with God? Man, that's awesome. We can have a relationship today, but listen, what we will know and see in part, we will see full well in heaven. And sin is the only thing that would keep anyone from going. I, I wanna share a quick story. Uh, we, we have um, a group of us that, that, meet at, uh, that, that meet at Love's Truck Stop, one of my favorite disciple groups of all time. I posted this on Facebook a while back. I have a thing for gas station food, okay? Judge me, whatever. There's some burritos, man. Them things been up there a couple days. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and I've eaten them multiple times. And, uh, and my, my stomach is, is, is iron, I guess. But anyway, I digress. But, but in this meeting, um, we, we, we meet there every Thursday morning. And, uh, and, and one of the workers, you know, they'll ask questions every now and again. It's really neat to be a part of. But there was a, a young man came up to us, and, and it was obvious that he was struggling with some deep things in his life. And what he said was, Pastor, tell me, which guy is worse? They are arguing. The man that steals? The man that struggles with homosexuality? The murderer? And the drug dealer? Which one is worse? And I said, man, I, I'm glad you asked me this question. And, and what I wanted to show him is this, and this is going to be a, a tough time illustrating this, but I'm going to stand it up. I told him, I said, listen, let me tell you the problem of sin. And which one's worse? I said, let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to go a step beyond. Let's say this man has done all four things you said. He's killed. He struggles with homosexuality. Uh, he's, dealt, he's done some very horrible things. Now, from your perspective, this man has stacked up a pile of sin in his life. Amen? This would have been Zacchaeus, stacked up a pile of sin in his life. But I said, let's say this man has maybe told a few little white lies, but he's a good citizen. He does good things. He does good works. But he, like I said, just has a little sin in our eyes. Well, he's a little closer to heaven. He's a little closer to being accepted by God. He's got a little sin, but he's not that bad. Surely God would accept him. This guy ain't got a chance. So we all see sin from this perspective of whose is worse and who, and most of all, whose is most well-known, right? But I want to let you know something about God. When God looks at us, he sees from a different perspective. Because you see, when I look straight down, there is no depth perception. These things are the same. And that what God sees is a sinner and a sinner. And I said, listen, this guy may live a good life by the world's standards, but if he does not accept Jesus to fix the sin problem, he will not get to heaven. But if this man who's going to be in prison for his whole life, my, my goodness, look at his rap sheet, right? Listen, but if somebody comes in and preaches the gospel, the good news of Jesus, he repents of his sin and says yes to Christ, God takes that sin away and he's going to heaven. Amen? So we see that it's a sin problem, and we need a Savior to fix this problem. So, so let's transition here. And before I do, I just want to ask you the question. Are you building some walls in your life? Are you building some walls? Maybe they're the, the walls of idolatry or the walls of shame. This is what I want you to know. With all the love I possess in Jesus Christ, I do not want you to stay behind those walls. And Jesus doesn't either. either. So Zacchaeus begin to see a need for something different. Uh, I want you to take this with you. Those barriers, I believe, create a burden to see Jesus. Hear that again. The, the, the barriers of sin, I believe, create a deep burden to want to go and see Jesus. So Zacchaeus must have heard that Jesus was coming. He had probably heard by this time that this man taught, he had healed, he had done some incredible things. Okay, and so maybe Zacchaeus began to believe, I've got to go see this man for myself. And obviously, probably, it started with some curiosity. I wanted to see him. But I don't believe curiosity makes you climb trees. It may have started that way. Maybe some of you wondered in the church today, just kind of curious. Maybe you heard something good about the church, and I want to come check it out and that sort of thing. But I want to show you something here in that not only was he curious, but he made an effort to go. And see, we see that the burden to see Jesus probably brings the reality that it's time for a change. I believe that, that drove him, that sitting in those walls, I'm not going to live the rest of my life in these walls. That burden leads us to want to overcome the barriers, right? That burden leads us to want to overcome the barriers. Now, I want to point out a couple things here. Number one, uh, he was short. All right, Zacchaeus was short. So if, if he went into a crowd, and, and unfortunately, I've dealt with this at the movies every now and again. If you're short, you can't see over crowds, right? I, thank y'all for not laughing. That was awesome. Um, I'm, not, I'm not insecure about it. But anyway, but he was short, and it would have been easy for him to say, you know what, I'm not going to get to see him. I know it's going to be a big crowd. I'm going to stay at the house. You know, uh, secondly is this. 
We talked about the crowds. If there was a crowd there, regardless if he could see over them, he probably didn't want to be around the crowds. This was a barrier. Right? He couldn't see there was a crowd in the way. It would have took some effort. Secondly, if people's going to be there, I don't want to go out with people. I don't fit with people. People know what I've done and all those sorts of things. And then um, I want you to see this too, is that he went and ran. It says that he ran ahead. Now, in this time, prominent people that were wealthy, if you were running, man, that was a super like no-no. Distinguished people don't go and run. You, you know, they didn't have britches on. Like, listen, it's like he would have flapped around and showed some stuff, right? You, you don't do that. Prominent people walk. And so for him to run, it was a measure of him uh, just running wild, exposing himself like, like prominent people, distinguished people don't humble themselves that way. And then next, he climbed a tree. He climbed a tree. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it's kids that like to run and climb trees. Am I, am I with you? If you were in the message last week, listen, the Bible tells us this in Matthew 18, 3, that unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Amen? My man, my man had a burden to see Jesus, and it didn't matter. Listen, this is what happened. The burden to see Jesus began to outweigh the fear. The burden to see Jesus began to outweigh the fear of man. Listen, that's number one. A lot of times what keeps us from seeing Jesus is acceptance of, uh, is this acceptance of people. But listen, it comes to a point where the acceptance of God becomes greater than the approval of man. He had to go meet Jesus. He had to go see what this man that changes lives is all about. I want to share a story. Uh, there, there was a, a guy in our church to this day, I think my favorite salvation story we've had. And so this, this guy, and one day he's going to tell it right here. Uh, but this guy was living a life in those walls I was talking about. Just going out, tearing it up on the weekend, struggling marriage, right? Just, just, a, just a life that, that all of a sudden was not bringing any joy, any fruit, to the point that he had never really been in church in his entire life. And he finally got to the point where, I'm going to go try this thing out. I've had enough. Just like we talked about, it's time for a change. And so Sunday number one, he and wife and two small boys pull up. They get out in the parking lot, and my man's trembling so much, doesn't get out of the car, right? He's scared to death to come in of like, man, what is this going to be like? Is it going to be weird? Like, how are they going to act? Drives off. Sunday number two, and I might be wrong with this, maybe three Sundays. Sunday number two, I'm sorry, might be only two Sundays, shows up, same thing, gets scared. I'm going to be judged. People are going to know what I've done. They're going to know what I did last night. Drives off. Well, Sunday number three, we're going to try hat trick time, baby. Let's try the third time. Comes up, and doggone it, someone he knows sees him in the car, ah, in the parking lot. So they go up, and now you're pot committed. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got to get out and goes into the service, and to hear him describe it, it began a journey. And, and he said, each week, it was like the preacher, he said, it was like you were talking to me. It's like you were following me around, and I began to feel this call, this love of, a, of, a, of Jesus. And he said, man, you gave a salvation call. And, and he said, I was sitting there praying like normal, and all of a sudden, I looked up, my darn hand's in the air. And then he said this, and I can't say it, there's young ears around. He said, oh, shoot, Right? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Favorite, favorite line of all time. Anyway, but man, that man is faithfully following Jesus and leading his family well every single day to this day. Yeah. 
So the burden to see Jesus begins to overcome spiritual begins to overcome bears. And I want everyone to know this and, and take this with you. I stole this. Church is hard sometimes. If we want to see Jesus today, we can open up the book and we see him. But would you guys agree that there's something different when we come and gather with the body of Christ? There's something different when we're here. Did you know today, Jesus is not physically here. He went on to heaven, but he said, I'm going to leave my people, the body of Christ. We are meant to be the image of Jesus for the world to see. So the burden to see Jesus looks like coming to see and be a part of his body. Now we know that's messy and scary. I stole this from one of those viral posts, but I thought it was really, really good. I want you guys to hear this. Talking about church. Church is hard. Going to see Jesus is hard. Church is hard for the person walking through the doors afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the prodigal soul returning home, broken, battered, and beat up by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together and doesn't. Church is hard for the couple that fought the whole way to church. Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands. Church is hard for the widower or the mom who's grieving. Church is hard for the pastor with an estranged child. Church is hard for the person singing the worship lyrics and is overwhelmed and wondering what they mean for them. Church is hard for the man who's insecure as his role as a leader in the home and at work. Church is hard for the wife that longs to have a righteous man leading. Church is hard for the single mom, the single man, praying God brings a mate. Church is hard for the teenage girl as a scarlet letter that's made mistakes. Church is hard when we have a perception that's shiny. I'll go back to the walls that are built up and they look really nice, but when you peek in, they really aren't. Wouldn't you guys agree there are serious barriers when it comes to going to see Jesus, amen? And there will always be spiritual barriers, but I want to move you into this as you meditate on where you're at and, and what that looks like I want you to recognize the blessing of Jesus' invitation. I want you to recognize the blessing of Jesus' invitation. So this would have been Zacchaeus. It would have been some serious barriers. It would have been hard for him to go amongst people to see Jesus. It would have been difficult. It took some work. He had to humble himself. He had to be exposed, and he went and he climbed up a tree to see Jesus. And listen to what Jesus did. It says, verse 4, so when he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. The blessing of Jesus' invitation. Think about it like this. Jesus walking down the road. I think about the PGA Tour. You ever seen when, when somebody's watching Tiger Woods play? It is packed on each side. You guys tracking with me? No golf fans? That's all right, but listen up. Okay. And I'm okay with that. But there's crowds surrounding Jesus. And Zacchaeus is up in this tree, kind of in the background. And so Jesus is walking along the path. Remember, he wasn't too busy for anyone. Jesus heads right. If you're Zacchaeus, this cat's walking right to you. You never met this dude in your life. He walks right up to the base of that tree. He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come. Calls him by name. You know, when I was a kid, my, my, my father took me to a banquet with 
Don Sutton, Pete Van Weir, and, and, and the other guy. These are the voice of the Braves. Anybody, can y'all hear Don Sutton's voice right now as I brought that up, some Braves fans? I grew up on this. I was an eight-year-old kid in this massive banquet, this massive crowd. And all of a sudden, they had my little placard right there. And Don Sutton walks right up, and he said, Bradley Benton, it is nice to meet you. And man, I was just blown away. That this heroic, famous, unbelievable person in this whole crowd saw little old eight-year-old me, and he walked right up to me, and he said, hey, nice to meet you. Listen, I want you to know something. You are not a number in a crowd. You, you are not just some random thing. Jesus, when he comes to get us, he walks right up to us, and he calls us by name. He's not too busy for you. He, he knows you already, even if you don't know him. Because you see, Jesus invites us by name. And not only does he invite us, take this with you. Jesus invites us into a relationship. See what happens here. Verse 6. Jesus invites us into a relationship. Verse 6, it says, Zacchaeus, he said, So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He is going to be the guest of a sinner. See, Jesus didn't just say, hey, you need to get right. Jesus says, I must come to your house. Take this with you, and some of you really need to hear this. Jesus didn't come to preach at Zacchaeus. He came to stay with him. He didn't come to preach at him. He came to stay with him. I'm not here to tell you how you're wrong or what you need to do. I came to be with you. I came to dwell with you. Listen, so many people miss Jesus that he's someone just barking orders. Listen, what he first wants to do is he wants to come live with you. He wants to step into your mess. Not only does he want to climb the wall, he's not going to do that. He wants to crush the walls of sin and come be with you. He wants to eat with you. Listen, I talk about it all the time. I just believe relational discipleship is the way to go because this is what Jesus did. He sat and he ate with people. He had meals. He got to know them. It was a relationship. This is not some relic to come and hear some guy talk for a little while and go home. We get to talk about the living God who lives in us, and we are growing and being changed together as we do life with one another in relationship. That's what the church should look like. It just should. I believe that, and, I, and, and I'll be honest why I'm on this, okay? I believe that's what God has called us to do in this city is to break down some old walls of religion and to have some serious relationship with God and serious relationship with people in the church. I just believe that. I really do. I, I think that is what God has called us to. And most importantly, I want to bring it back to the, the main point right here. Jesus invites us to receive eternal life. Jesus invites us to receive eternal life. Look in verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so this wicked you know, in, in, in the crowd's eyes, this wicked man, this man that struggled, this man that's buried with the weight of sin, this man who, who the crowds would have despised, the, the crowds couldn't believe that Jesus would go be with someone like this. Take this with you. What, what, what part do we play? Because Jesus came all the way to the base of the tree. I mean, he, he came to him and he called him by name. And I'm telling you, when God's calling a man, it becomes undeniable that, that it's him calling and all, you're like, okay, but why hear that Jesus came? Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This whole series about Jesus leaving heaven to come be our Savior, to, to come and rescue us. What part do we have to play? Listen, take this with you. We have to have the boldness to respond to Jesus' invitation. Have the boldness to respond to Jesus' invitation. 
I believe it was Spurgeon was this. Jesus won't force himself into anyone's house, but he sure will not. He's not going to force his way into our life. It doesn't look like that. And I want you to see and show you what it looks like when we let Jesus in, it changes everything. Because he had a choice to make. He could have stayed in the tree. He could have got down. He could have kept them out the house or he could have let them in. That was up to Zacchaeus. Jesus had done all that he needed to do. He had come and called him by name. He knew that he was coming after him. He wanted a relationship with him. Zacchaeus had to let him in. And I want to show you what it looks like. Take this with you. What does boldness look like? Faith. Faith. That, that he had faith to trust that Jesus could save him. And because he had faith, he repented of his sin. Then he said, I'm not stealing anymore. I'm done with that life. It's over. I'm repenting. And now, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey your command to be generous. I'm going to obey your command not to steal. It's faith. And faith comes with repentance and obedience. His obedience, and listen, I want to show you something here. Because as he gave back what he stole, as he generously blessed the poor, that didn't save him. It was just evidence that he had been saved. Hear that again. Jesus said salvation had come to this house because he had faith. He responded with repentance. He responded with obedience. Can you hear it in his voice? In in verse number 8, Zacchaeus stood up. And he had been sitting down behind them walls too long. Amen? Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. There was a joy and excitement. It wasn't a begrudging giving. Look, Lord, you freed me. I freely give. Lord, you freed me from my sin. You tore down my walls. I freely obey. There was a joy. Man, he was a a carrier of the joy of the Lord. What we talked about. He was never going to be the same. God had forgiven the unforgivable. He had not given them a little bit better life. He had given them a new life. And he was joyful and he responded with joy. And we see that this is the mark. We just have to have the boldness to come down the tree. We have to have the boldness to let Jesus in. And so as we contemplate this, I want to bring it all the way back around to to Jesus in this. As Jesus was passing through Jericho, as he was on the way to Jerusalem, as his task list was taking him to the cross, he wasn't so consumed about where he was going that he wasn't faithful where he was. Brother and sister, if you know Christ, we've been called to make disciples. As you are going this week, are we being faithful in our Jerichos, in our in-betweens? Are we being faithful on the way to accomplish our task? Are we spreading the love of Christ? Are we giving this invitation to those who are looking for it. And then for us, that God's coming to the tree. <laughs> God has come. And man, maybe you feel like, I, I didn't know I was going to be here. I didn't know I was going to hear this. Listen, this, is the, this story applies. If you've built some walls, today they no longer have to stand. And what I want to encourage you before we get ready to pray, if Jesus has come to the base of your tree, it's time to come down today, brother and sister. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Lord, I pray for every heart in here, God. I pray if we know you, that we are reminded of a blessing it is to come and call us by name. God, if we're disciple makers, I pray we're encouraged by Jesus that he wasn't too busy for Zacchaeus. He saw. He wasn't overlooking them, looking for someone else. He saw. And then for those that that don't know Christ, 
But know that today, Jesus wants to change that. For those that walked in with sin and shame and and have carried the chains of, of mistakes and past hurts, I want you to know that those don't have to go with you today. And I want to encourage you to obey the very thing Jesus is asking you to do right now. You know, it says that Zacchaeus came down the tree immediately. And delayed obedience is disobedience. I want to encourage you, don't think about it obeying later, but God's calling you to obey today so that we can have joy and celebrate as a family of what God's done here today. So if today you would say, Buck, that's me. Jesus is calling me by name. And I want to have the boldness to respond in faith. I'm just going to ask you to give an extension of your hand. If that's you today and would say, today is the day of salvation for me. I'd like to know Jesus as Lord. Would you just lift your hand today? Is that anyone here that would say yes to Christ? For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would contemplate so great a salvation. God, will we contemplate this greater story we're learning? God, will we know and be thankful that you left heaven to come to earth to die in our place for our sin? Lord, just so thankful. God, thank you for the two young men who have responded to the invitation. Thank you for the two young men we will celebrate with that first step of obedience. And God, I pray we would worship you well as your body. I love you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.